It's good to have you with us this morning. Thanks for being here and a part of our of our worship service today. And we are in the middle of this uh, this short series that we're doing entitled Essentials. And what we've basically been looking at and talking about is, you know, what are the essentials that are really necessary for a follower of Jesus in order to operate in this world? Like, that's a pretty important question. As we live in this world, what are the things that need to be essential? What are the things that need to be foundational or fundamental to the way in which we operate as people? The things that form the basis for our lives. And that's what this series is about. It's a, it's a series that I put together a couple weeks ago just in, in, uh, in thinking through the final Sundays that we will be meeting together as officially as Mission Springs Community Church. And I wanted, uh, as your pastor, I wanted to be able to communicate to you kind of some parting words, some parting thoughts of what I would, uh, in my own experience, in my own journey with Jesus, what I have found to be the most important things to understand and to put into practice in our lives. And so I hope that this series has been encouraging for you. If you've missed any of the previous Sundays, this is the third week in this series. And so uh, there are podcasts and videos available. If you go to our website and click under the sermon link, you can find um, the podcast for the last two Sundays, or you can watch the video directly there. There's a, uh, a link right there on the website uh, to our YouTube, YouTube posting of the videos. And so the last two weeks, we basically started by talking about how important it is to learn to live into the now or live in the now. So to not be divorced from our relationship with God in real time and in the moments of our day, the routineness and the, and the, the, the things of our day that so often we can miss God and we can get focused on the routines and the things that we're trying to accomplish that we go through our day and we just wonder, where did God go? Where did my relationship with God go? Why does it feel like sometimes my relationship with God is so maybe disconnected? My communion with God is so disconnected from the events of my day. And so uh, because there's, those events are monotonous or they're, they're seemingly not as significant as, as other maybe more important things that you may do that you would say are, are important in your walk with God, like a time with God in the morning. And so um, anyway, I want to encourage you to go back and listen or watch that video if you'd like. Uh, from a couple weeks ago. And then last Sunday we did the first of this, uh, this, two-part, uh, this two-part message within the series on the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So last week I kind of touched on that and we started. And um, <clears throat> just in a, in a quick kind of a little bit of a review on what we covered last week, we talked about what the Holy Spirit, well, we asked the question, what does the Holy Spirit do? And we talked about a variety of things that the Spirit does. The Spirit of God teaches us the Spirit of God guides us. He speaks to us. He brings uh, conviction and life-giving comfort, and He leads. And so the reality is, is that the Spirit of God is so central to, the, to, to life uh, and so central to our lives as followers of Jesus, which is a really important thing, and it's rather unfortunate. Uh, I would say in the context, at least the context that I grew up in, which seemed to focus uh, so much on kind of this head knowledge or this very logical approach to Christianity. And so there was so much emphasis that was paid based on reading your Bible, understanding Bible verses, knowing correct theology, doing the right things, staying away from the bad things, right? So there was these, a lot of these things I was supposed to do. 
I was supposed to control my actions better. I was supposed to, uh, to uh, do all that I could to learn more about God. And that stuff is all great and it's all wonderful. I'm not de- discounting that whatsoever. The problem is that for me growing up, there was not a, a major emphasis on learning what it means to live a life with the Spirit of God on an ongoing daily basis. And uh, unfortunately, it took the kind of the second half of my, my life as a follower of Jesus to start to really understand what this means and to start putting it into practice in my life. And it's been transformational for me, incredibly helpful. Um, and the value and the role and the work of the Spirit of God is so essential to our lives as followers of Jesus. And so those are the things we looked at last week in terms of what the Holy Spirit does. And in order to kind of uh, talk about how, to, you know, being prepared to, to our, or to pay attention to how the Spirit of God speaks to us, which is really the practical nature that I want to get in, into today, we also set some time up by talking about what does it mean for us to prepare our hearts to hear and receive and to put into action the instruction of the Spirit. So a lot of, we want to jump a lot of times to the practical things like, well, how do I hear from God and how does he speak to me and all those things because they seem quite mysterious in a lot of ways. But the reality is, is that in order to be ready to receive and to hear and to put into practice, there's certain things that we as a people need to be cultivating in our lives to make, because God's not a, you know, a genie. Like you don't just rub on a bottle and all of a sudden God's going to speak to you when you ask him to in the way that you want him to. And so there's certain things that need to go on internally for us in order to be prepared uh, to receive and to put into practice that which the Spirit of God may want to communicate to us. So we talked about these four steps, and we only looked at three of them last week. The first step was that we we have to start by being honest about who's in control of our hearts. We need to be honest about that, that we, we suffer and we struggle with lordship issues in our lives. All of us do. We struggle with giving allegiance of our hearts to other things. And so we just need to be honest with that. that that's an ongoing human battle that we will deal with to the day we die. And so we have to be honest about who gets time, who gets space, who gets control of our hearts. And be honest about that. You know, half the battle of getting healthy is to be able to acknowledge that you have a problem, right? And, and that's really true in this case as well. In order for me to effectively hear and listen and receive and to put into action the things God wants to say to me, I have to be honest with Jesus that, Jesus, I have issues of, of allegiance. Pro- I have allegiance problems to you. Like there are other things that get in my way. And so I want you to help me be aware of that and be prepared to act against those things when they show up. And so we need to be honest about who's in control. And then the second step we talked about is that we need to, to desire to pursue a clean and devoted heart. Like, is that our desire? Like, that's an honest question that all of us have to ask and answer for ourselves this morning. Who do you want to have control of your heart? Who do you want to have complete control of your heart and your life and your desires? Is it Jesus or is it yourself? Is it part Jesus, part you, part something else? We have to evaluate that. Jesus has created us. God has created us as people to pursue him relentlessly for his heart and with his heart. He has created us to find our sole source of life in him. And that life only comes through utter and complete surrender and dependency on him. It is one of the great ironies of, of, you know, of life. If you want to really live, you learn to die, Right? If you want to really hear and follow and receive from the Spirit of God, you have to come to a place of complete surrender. 
And so we want to, we need to be, uh, so we not only need to be honest about the struggle of control issues in our hearts, but we want to, we need to want to desire uh, and to pursue a clean and devoted heart. And then the third step is that we actually want to hear from and obey God's voice. Right? So do you really want to hear what God has to say to you in your situations in your life? Even if they're things you don't want to particularly hear. Do you want God to convict you of sin in your life that's keeping you away from him or that's causing dysfunction and destruction in your life? Do you want to be open to and receive the words of God and his instruction to you even if it results in there needing to be major adjustments in how you live your life today? That's, that's much harder, right? Am I really in this for Jesus? Or am I in this for myself, or do I put conditions on my time with Jesus, right? So Jesus really wants hearts that are pure and devoted and completely given to him, that are desirous of, of hearing from him and, and wanting to not just hear from him, but to actively want to obey what he asks us to do. We ha- in order to get to this place, we have to genuinely, this is why I love about the Good and Beautiful God series we did a couple years ago, right? Because it helped expose this. In order to get to a place where we can be honest and trust and surrender God to God in these ways, we have to genuinely understand and believe that God is good. Like God is for us. He's not against us. That he loves us unconditionally. That he's created us for a life to be given to him and lived with him that will bring the supreme amount of, 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 uh, of contentment and joy and peace in your, the way that you were created to live. And if we know this to be true about God, it becomes a heck of a lot easier for us to surrender. I'm not saying it becomes easier. It just becomes a heck of a lot, a heck of a lot easier than it could be, right? Because we know that God is for us. We'd be willing to step out into areas of risk or in areas that are hard or transition areas in our own lives when we know that God is for us and not against us. He's not looking to beat us up in the process. Okay, so we want to be honest about who's in control of our heart. We want to pursue a clean and devoted heart, and we want to hear from God, hear from and obey God's voice. And so the fourth step that I want to hit this morning as we continue, as we prepare our hearts to hear and to put into action what God speaks to us about, is that we need to, this is where it gets more practical, We need to create space to listen and to respond. We have to create space. And uh, in order to be honest about this and talk about how we practically create space, I want to just address the fact that there are three different things that get in the way of us creating space. And the first one that's probably the most prevalent for us today, particularly living in the Bay Area, is time and busyness. This is a major, 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 major distraction in our relationship with God. We tend to pack out our days. This may not be the case for everybody in this room. If you're retired, you, sometimes you may be looking for things to do, right? There are others that pack out every ounce of space on your calendar to accomplish what needs to get accomplished for that day. So how we schedule our days makes it very difficult to create space to listen and respond to the Spirit. How we spend our time is a distraction for us. I struggle with this, friends, on a daily basis. 
I'm currently in the midst of a transition where I'm currently still transitioning and helping lead our congregation through a transition. Meanwhile, I'm being asked to take on responsibilities at Echo Church. And so I'm carrying those two work-related things hand in hand while trying to be a, an effective husband and father to children, while trying to maintain the things around the house that need to get done that I need to pay attention to, right? So we all can agree, relate to all of those things. Like there's a lot that we have going on in our lives. And if we aren't ruthless, well, we'll get to that about creating space, right? We need to be ruthless about creating space to be with Jesus. We have to. I will tell you unequivocally and unashamedly, it is the single source of success in your journey with Jesus is creating consistent space to be with him each day. And it doesn't have to be an hour, two hours at a time, even a half hour at a time. Creating windows of time and creating space to be with Jesus is incredibly essential to your journey with him. If you don't get anything else today, I want you to get that. We'll talk a little bit more practically about that in a moment. And I've, I addressed that a couple weeks ago too, I believe, as well. So, Another distraction in creating space to listen and respond is noise. When, and what I mean by this is that we deal as people with both visual and audible noise all day long. Um, when we are, I mean, just think of it for a moment. When you are busy moving from place to place, you're walking, you're driving, whatever it be, you're moving from one task to the next task. You're inundated with visual imagery that can distract you. Billboards, signs. Wow, that looks like a great place to go eat, you know? Like you're visually distracted by things all the time. And you're audibly distracted because you, if you're in the car and you're listening to it's like I can't, you know, I need to be able to have music going on in the background whenever I'm doing anything. I'm not saying I do. I've learned to kind of create some space to break away from that. But I'm saying in general, as people, it's hard for people to kind of be in the car with it being quiet and not having music going in the car. And so we have noise. We have both visual and audible noise that gets in the way of creating space. These are precious moments and times where we don't necessarily have something going on that's consuming our activity that we could utilize in ways to say, this is a time for me to reflect or to pay attention to my walk with Jesus. So we deal with this. We deal with this noise that crowds things out and gets in the way. And then there's a third distraction in creating space to listen and respond. And I love this one. This distraction is mystery. It's just the mystery of it all. We don't know what to expect, so we don't try. It just seems weird. It seems, I just had to tell you yesterday, like, so yesterday I got, um, I was at home and some things opened up in the schedule late in the afternoon. And so I found myself a little bit like unsure how to spend my time. And I found myself you know, sitting and it's like, well, I could watch something on TV. I already, I did some basketball with my son earlier in the morning. So I didn't want to go play basketball again. I didn't really feel like going for a run. You know, I was kind of like in that lethargic place. Like I couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do. Nothing really seemed to satisfy. So I just decided to take a walk around the block. And it's sometimes in those places of when we're confronted with time and space where we need to walk into those places 
and we need to be able to engage with God, even though we're not totally sure what God may do at the time. Sometimes we're unsure about how God may speak, or if I'm going to hear from him, or if I even want to hear from him right now, that we will just kind of avoid it altogether, and we will put other things into place to take up our time and consume our time, because we're unsure about the mysterious nature of how God may want to communicate to us during that time. And so I think that this is an important, these are three important distractions that get in the way. Time and busyness, noise, and the mystery of the whole thing. So with those kind of things, uh, made aware of those things, I want to talk just for a few moments too about what do we need to do to create space to listen to God. And so I talked about a minute ago about developing consistency in our quiet time. And I mentioned that again last, I think it was last week or the week before, how important it is to develop this space of consistency. I would encourage you. I don't everybody's different in terms of how they operate. But if you find yourself an incredibly busy person who's driven by calendar, driven by tasks, whatever it may be, use that mechanism to uh, as a way to serve you in getting connected with God on a daily basis. So if you're driven by your calendar, Add a reoccurring meeting with Jesus every morning onto your calendar. Just put it on there. Whatever t- I don't know what time you wake up, what time you got to be going in the morning. Back it up a half hour or back it up 15 minutes and just list it in your calendar so it's a reoccurring appointment that shows up. That could be a way to do it. Or maybe something in the evening. Maybe you're better connecting with God at night. Well, create a reoccurring time in the evening to do so. Or maybe it's something that you list, and I promise you God will not be disappointed with you if you do this. List it as a task on your to-do list. If you're a to-do list person, put it as a reoccurring task every day. Spend time with Jesus. (laughs) And put it on there. Having the constant exposure to time with Jesus is so important. And it's important in that time to be prepared for, you know, well, what does that look like during that time? Well, it, it has lots of variety of facets. You can create, in those spaces of being with Jesus, you can create times of silence to just sit and be with Jesus. I I mentioned before, I think, that I'm getting some stuff convoluted between some stuff I'm doing with Echo and what I've preached here, so I'm a little bit confused in terms of what I've shared where and when. But but this idea of silence is so incredibly valuable and important because the way in which God works in the places, when we give him time and space to clear our minds and to just be with him, it's amazing how the Spirit of God comes in. I I don't even know if it's the right way to use the word, but he comes in kind of metaphysically, and he does some powerful work in in our insides. There have been multiple times, I will tell you, in this room right here that we're sitting in, that I will, I have come in to this space in the middle of the week because I've been carrying a burden. I may have had a conflict with somebody. I may have a hard decision to make. I may be struggling internally about some feedback that I've gotten that's causing problems for me internally, whatever it may be. There's a, we all have those things, right? Things that trouble us and discourage us and get us angry or hurt or whatever. And I will carry those things, and I will just feel a sense and a prodding from the Spirit of God. Darren, get out of your office and just go sit in the auditorium. And so I will come into this room, and I'll leave all the lights off, and I'll light one of these candles. Can't even, it's hard to see now with all these lights on, but this gives off quite a bit of light when the room's completely pitch black. And I will sit right here in front, and I'll just sit here. And my goal of sitting here is not to fix my problem, 
My goal of sitting here is to be present to Jesus. Jesus, I am here. I need you. I'm sitting here and I'm open for you to work. Would you help me? And then I will just sit and I will pay attention to Jesus' presence with me. I may repeat a phrase that will help me re- keep me focused on being present with Jesus. Because as you all know, if you try to sit in silence, like our brains just go a million miles. We think all kinds of things start, start going on in our heads. We need Silence is important to create the space to kind of let all that garbage. It's not garbage really, but to let it all kind of work itself out. Okay, I got all those thoughts kind of came through. Okay, now I went through that. And now about maybe 10 or 15 minutes into the silence, I'm actually ready to just sit and be present because all that other mind stuff has gone away. And I can sit and I can repeat a phrase and I can say, Jesus, be with me. Or Jesus, I know you love me. And I come back and I will sit and I will tell you, I have had countless experiences of just sitting in that place, not trying to fix it with my prayers, not trying to think differently about it, but just sitting with Jesus and saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. And it's like this miraculous metaphysical thing, I don't know how else to describe it, where the Spirit of God will come in in the midst of my silence and begin an internal healing and bring me to places of life and healing and, to, and remove anger or frustration or hurt and supply with me peace and comfort and love and joy. Supply with me the fruits of the Spirit. That doesn't come if I'm not intentional to break away and to come be with Him. He doesn't force himself on me to make that happen. But he gives me the awareness that I need it. Darren, you need to come and be with me. Let me have my way with you and then see how life goes for you for the rest of the day. And it is a beautiful, miraculous thing. So in creating and developing this consistency to be with Jesus and this consistency in our quiet time, I think developing a space for silence and to just be present with Jesus without any other agenda is incredibly important. And it's weird. It's mysterious. It doesn't always make sense. We don't always feel successful or effective or, you know, what am I accomplishing with this, right? That's the point. You don't need to accomplish anything. Jesus wants you to be present as a discipline to be with him, to receive his life, to be empowered by his spirit in ways that you can't control other than being present. It's a beautiful thing. And so creating space to be silent is important in that place. It's important in that place as you sit with Jesus to create, um, create an awareness that what you want to receive and hear from Jesus. And so you may pull out your Bible. You may be reading a book that challenges you in your faith journey. And you, you come before Jesus in that place and you ask him, Spirit of God, would you speak to me? And then you pay attention to what you're reading in the Bible. It's, the goal, again, is not to finish a chapter or, or even a set of verses in the Bible. The goal is to connect with the Spirit of God who's illuminating the Scriptures to you to see what he has to say to you. Reading the Bible for educational purposes has a place. And it's a wonderful thing to do. But this is not the place for that. This is a time for you to connect with the creator of the universe and for him to speak into your lives. And so opening the Bible is an incredibly helpful thing to do. I want to encourage you, open your Bibles, if you can, as much daily as you can. Not to try to accomplish finishing the reading, but to connect with the Spirit of God who illuminates the truth of the Scriptures for your weary and dry souls. And so asking him to speak and then paying attention to what he shares with you. Another thing that I do during my time of consistency in, the quiet, in my quiet time is, is there's always things that are, that are concerning to me, things that I have in my heart and my mind that are important that I want to talk to God about. Right? I've got a list. I like to, it sounds bad. I don't mean it to sound this way, but I've got a laundry list of things. <clears throat> like, would you please help with 
health for this person and health for this. Like those are all good things. Like God cares about those things. What I've learned to start to do is I've learned to start to answer a question. And that question is, uh, which I feel Jesus is asking me, Darren, what do you want me to do for you? What do you really want me to do for you? It's interesting when you frame the question that way and you start thinking about it and you start writing down your answers. What do I really want God to do for me? And so I've created a list as I've asked that question about genuinely at the heart, what do I want God to do for me? I want more of the Spirit in my life. I want to have more faith and trust in Jesus. I want to have a more genuine, unconditional, compassionate love for every person I come in contact with. I want to not be controlled by my own uh, selfish motivations. I want to be free internally to be able to be alive and free and experience contentment and peace as I walk through my day. I want stress and anxiety be, to, to be gone from, as much as possible, to be gone from my daily existence, that I would operate and live in freedom. Like, these are the things I really want, right? And so I've started to create a list that way, and I will look at that list every time I pray, and I will continue, I will go back, and I'll think through and meditate through those things and talk to God about them. And I will, as I share those things with God, the more I sense his spirit and his peace on me in those places. I'm working. I'm doing that. Thank you for asking for more of me today. I want to give you more of me today. So those are some practical ways to use that space and time. I may have shared some of those here a couple weeks ago. The other thing that we want to do in that space of, of being with Jesus, and what I wanted to encourage you too, in that space of consistency with Jesus, um, is to, uh, well, let me just mention this one, to, to develop a walking awareness of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about this living in the now, I think, when we talked a couple weeks ago. So just learning to recognize that, that Jesus is standing by you shoulder to shoulder throughout your whole day. Like he's there with you in all of your activity. And so develop this walking awareness that God is with you in all the activity and the events and the things that you're doing. As an opportunity to commune with him and to learn from him and to see with his eyes. And this doesn't necessarily happen if you're not creating consistency to be with Jesus where you're asking him to keep you alert to this. So you create space where you ask God to continue to make you aware of his presence with you throughout the day. To see the way that he does. And then it's quite amazing how a lot of times you will feel led to pray for somebody or you'll start to see things differently or you'll notice, wow, I hadn't noticed the beauty of that. But God's kind of made me aware of that in the midst of my day. Or I haven't recognized the importance of the routineness of this activity and how much of a blessing it is. So develop consistency in our quiet time. Develop a walking awareness of the Spirit and the third thing is carve out times of silence with no other agenda than to listen. That's, I kind of talked about that in the first part. Um, I would say, too, that what I found to be helpful for me, and I don't always do this, but it's helpful in creating this consistency with Jesus throughout the day, is to create another block of time to be with Jesus during the day. Like, create your, your, your regular block of time, and you determine what that is. God is not legalistic. God is gracious. You know what you need and what you can handle. So start off small, right? Maybe it's only you're creating five or ten minutes once a day to be with Jesus and practice some of these things. As you do that, you'll kind of get your spiritual exercise, your muscles going, and you'll recognize you need more than that time because you're finding so much life there that you want to sit in that place more and learn more from him. So allow that time to expand as God leads you to expand it, 
right? So be, be gracious with you. God's gracious with you. He's not up there with a check, checklist asking, well, did Darren spend five or 10 or 15 minutes with me today? Hmm, you know, he gets an A, B, or C. Now, he's not operating his life, he's not looking that kind of meticulously over my life in terms of evaluating things. But what I will tell you is once you've created this space to carve out times for silence, um, what, what helps is to create another window of time during the day to connect with Jesus. Maybe it's at midday, right? I find that, you know, those that follow other religions seem to do this very well. They'll create multiple spaces of prayer throughout the day. We can learn from them, right? Creating space to be with Jesus. So maybe it's creating five minutes at lunchtime or five minutes at night before you go to bed or 10 minutes at night, whatever it is. Another touch point that you build into your routine that re-centers you back on Jesus. What I'm telling you is that the more that we build disciplines like this into our existence and our routine of our lives, the more the habitual practice of walking with Jesus throughout the day, experiencing life with him throughout the day becomes more natural. We become more aware. Awareness is a big part of this. We become more aware of God's presence in his spirit with us. But it requires some activity on our part. Or we're being intentional or disciplined to carve out spaces to be with him. So I want to encourage you that way, real practically. Carve out some space this week just to be with Jesus. Do it. Put it on your calendar. And if you're real risky, add a second time for prayer at lunch or at night. Just to come back and say, Jesus, here I am again. And reflect on your day. What did I learn today? Where did I see God present in my day? Where did I miss him? Where was I controlled by my own frustration or anger in ways that I know God wouldn't, doesn't want for me? Create those spaces. It, you, it is quite amazing, actually, if you develop more consistency in those practices, the more walking awareness and alive with God, a life with God, you will experience throughout the day. It really works. All right. So I hope that's helpful. Those are some real practical ways to what you do in creating space to listen and respond. Let me just, for a few moments, I'm going to hit these pretty quickly. Um, most of my sermon I haven't even done yet, so that's cool. So, um, so how does he speak? I'm, not, I'm just going to, I'm going to move through these because uh, I've got something different I want to talk about next week. But um, how does he speak to us? So there's six ways. Did I put six? I did seven ways that he speaks to us. And I'll just hit these real quickly. I'll be done in 10 minutes. Um, I promise you I will be done in 10 minutes. It's not good to promise, but I am going to shoot for that. So six, uh, seven ways. Seven ways. I need a tissue. What about the sneeze? Oh, it's right there. It's one of those. You know that feeling? All right. So real quickly, the first way that God speaks to us, practically speaks to us, is through Scripture. And we've talked about this just a few moments ago, we already touched on this. Uh, I want you to encourage you to, that's why it's so important to build this time into your routine, is to open the Bible and to ask God to speak to you and then pay attention to what you're reading. Like, don't just, I mean, really pay attention to the way the Spirit illuminates something or something stands out to you that you feel prompted to underline. Like, when you feel prompted to underline something in the Bible, that's a pretty darn good indication that the Spirit of God is speaking to you about that. There's something He has for you there. Don't just go, hey, that's a cool concept, and move on. Sit with that. Like, underline it and read it multiple times. It may be a verse that you actually read all week long. 
because God is speaking to you about it, okay? You want to begin with the working assumption when you read the Bible that God does want to communicate with you. God does want to communicate with you, and he will communicate to you and with you through the scriptures. It's one of the greatest uh, ways that God does that. But it's not the only way. It's not the only way. There are multiple ways that God communicates to us. So one is through the scriptures. The second way is through the body or the church. When I say the body, I mean the church. And I don't mean like he speaks to us through a building or even speaks to us predominantly and only through someone who's teaching or preaching, although that can happen. But we all are a part of the body. And so the the scriptures teach us in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, Paul says here to the church at Corinth, what shall we say then, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So God has equipped the church, his body, the people. It's not a building, it's the people of God. He has equipped his church, his body, to support each other and to build each other up. And so we all contribute to that. Because we all have the Spirit of God. The same Spirit of God that lives in me lives in you, and you, and you, and you. And the same Spirit that lived in Paul lives in you, right? The same Spirit is the same Spirit. He's alive and active in the life of his followers. And so the church has an opportunity to communicate or to speak to one another, and God uses that in order to speak to us. So there's a couple ways this happens. One happens through groups when you're in smaller group settings. And you're meeting and discussing and talking with each other. God, many times, so sometimes we talk about things and give instruction that's just kind of based on our own opinions. And that's normal because we're human beings. And there's other times where very clearly you will give a word of instruction to somebody or a word of encouragement. And that person will naturally, very quickly receive it and see it as a way of God's comfort and instruction to them. The Spirit of God is illuminating for them something you've said to challenge or comfort or encourage them in their faith journey. We've probably, many of us have experienced that in the context. Somebody has said something to us that has either conf- con- uh, uh, has con- um, um, comforted us or has brought us conviction. We recognize what you've said is right. They don't really want to hear that, but that's really true, right? The Spirit of God will speak to us in that context through groups. So when we're together in a collective expression and also through just individual uh, people, I like to look at this in terms of... Um, one of the reasons I love to read books that challenge me in my walk with journey that are not Bible-based books, or they're not, I don't mean, they are Bible-based, but they're not the Bible, they're Christian books. Like, that's because God does not only speak to us through the Bible. God speaks to us through the lives of his spirit and his people that are currently walking on the planet today, right? And so when I read a book that's written by A.W. Tozer or Henry Nowen or any other list of people, I'm looking at that and I'm praying as I read that God would open my eyes to see truth here. What, is, what, is, what did God put on Henry Nowen's heart to share in this book that God wants for me? And then I pay attention to that. So God still speaks. He still speaks through people. He still speaks for, through books. He speaks through uh, the grand book as well, obviously through the book of Scripture. Uh, the Holy Spirit, or, the, or God also speaks to us, not only through Scripture, through the body and the church, but through circumstances and events. So in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, it says that uh, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region to Phygeria and Galatia, having been kept from the Holy, by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word of the, in the province of Asia. And so we don't know exactly all the details of what, how the Holy Spirit kept them, 
from preaching in the province of Asia. Either he appeared to them in a dream or in a vision and said, don't go to Asia, (laughs) right? Or there were certain events and circumstances that transpired that blocked their way from going. Like their visas weren't approved, right? They couldn't go. There was a major snowstorm, and so they couldn't leave their house. I don't know, right? There were things that happened, and they recognized it as God's providential communication to them that, okay, now is not the time. And so God will speak to us and communicate to us through circumstances and events. I mentioned this before. I'll share it just briefly. When we were in the process of exploring a merger as a church, um, we, uh, we had started to have some discussions at the elder board level about this. And, and as an elder board, we, we talked through this and we were, kind of, we were, all of us, were actually as an elder board level, we're in agreement at that point that yes, we felt like a merger of some sort would be best for the life of the church. We didn't know exactly when and with who at that point, but we all agreed that that was a good route to go. It seemed like God was leading us as a church to do that. And it was in that context that as we had, after we had made that decision, probably, I don't know, it was a week, a week or three days to a week or so after we, as an elder board, we had met to make that decision, that I got this random text message from Andy Wood at Echo Church. And uh, where he had expressed, you know, hey, Darren, thinking about you, I was praying and thinking about our church, I was praying this week, Spirit of God brought you back to mind, or is Mission Springs still thinking about or considering and thinking about a merger? And it was just totally caught me off guard. I wasn't anticipating or expecting that. But this is an example for me. I know, unequivocally, I know just in terms of my own experience with Jesus, this is a way in which the Spirit of God was speaking to me through a circumstance or an event that I was going through. Getting that text message was a way in which God made me aware and made us as an elder board aware of an option to consider at that point. So the Spirit of God communicates to us through circumstances and events. A fourth way that the Spirit of God communicates to us is through the nature and the arts. This is more unconventional, right? But God still communicates to us in these ways. I've personally, and you've probably personally experienced, a way in which God communicates through you through natural wonder. Like you just can't be struck by the awe and the beauty and the majesty and the love of God than what you do when you are witnessing an amazing sunset over the ocean. Or if you're standing, you're, heck, just go to Hawaii, right? It's like, my goodness. So, it, you know, you, we experience God through nature. He, experience, he communicates to us through that, through power, through force, right? In terms of like, if you watch a storm develop off the water and come in and hit the land and the thunder and the lightning, you know, I, I, when I see that, I'm amazed at the, the majesty and the power of God in those moments. It leads me to a place of worship. And so God communicates through us through nature. He also communicates to us through the arts. There have been countless times, countless times, that I have watched movies that are not Christian movies, that the Spirit of God has spoken to me through that movie. I've seen the way, and I've, I've literally come away from that movie feeling like the Spirit of God taught me something He wanted me to know about His love, about how to treat other people, like, it's an amazing thing. And so God speaks to us through this, this medium as well, through the nature, through the arts, through film, through artwork, all of that stuff. God, 
I mean, let's, let's be honest, right? If God is the author of all creation, then isn't it God's prerogative to communicate to us in any way he feels free to communicate through the creation that he's made? Of course. Everything and anything God can you choose to use. Why do we have artistic people in this world? Because God created them. God loves the arts, right? God loves nature. God loves all of these things. Like that, that's, a, that's why these are beautiful expressions today, because God gives them life. Fifth way that God communicates is through our thoughts and impressions. Sometimes there's just an inner feeling that goes on inside of us where we sense God's leading in us to say something or do something. I've had this happen in times where I just feel like in crazy just moments, like God just compels me, Darren, I want you to send an encouraging text to this person. I'm like, okay, I don't even know why I was thinking about that person right now, but I'm going to do that. So there's these weird kind of thoughts and impressions that God will just put on our hearts to do. And so God will communicate to us out of thin blue, you know, thin, out of just kind of nothingness, and just say, this is what I want you to do. He also communicates through, to us through the still, small voice. And this is similar to the thoughts and impressions. Um, I've, I've had actually phrases for me that have come through in my times of silence with God that I could easily, if I was a, a pessimistic or an unfaithful person in my mind, I could just dismiss and say, well, that's just my own subconscious kind of thinking about those things, right? But there's a lot of times where I, there's a sense of love and accompanying peace and joy and contentment with a phrase that will come into my, my thoughts. And I have learned to recognize that as coming from God. I will attribute it to God. Even if it wasn't from God, I'm going to give him the glory and the praise for that phrase. Because it's brought life and hope and healing to me. And so I've had things like I've shared before, wash windows, this is the way. Keep doing what you're doing. Which honestly is where I was in this whole merger process for the last two years as I'd been processing things about our church moving forward. And in some ways getting discouraged and wondering, man, am I doing the right thing? This is kind of unconventional to think this way. Like, this could be seen as unsuccessful. Like, God, did you bring me here to kind of close the doors of the church? Like, that doesn't seem right. Like, I don't understand that. I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me. But the Spirit of God leading in me and just, and, and as, I, as I continue to follow him saying, keep doing what you're doing. Follow me faithfully and walk with me through this. This is my church. This is what I am doing. It is not about you, Darren. So get off your high horse and follow me. Do what you're supposed to do. Keep doing the thing. Ask the questions that you're asking. Submit the ideas that I put on your mind. Even if it causes confusion and, and, and all kinds of reactions from people, just do it. And so I've said, okay, I'll do it. That it's through that voice, that spirit of God inside that seems to lead and guide in that direction. If I'm going to be a pastor, if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, and I am not going to be relentlessly and recklessly sold out to learning to discern and follow the voice of the Spirit of God, I might as well retire now and go somewhere else. Because I will never apologize for that, ever in a million years. That is what God calls me to. That is what God calls us to. It's not just a special thing for pastors. He calls all of us to submit lordship and authority to him and to follow him relentlessly. Risk. Have faith. Yeah, sometimes fail. Failure is a success. 
especially when it's done in faith. There's a good one for you. You can take that one to the bank. The last one, and then I'll stop with this, is that God speaks through all of these ways, and he also speaks through random, just what I put here, random means, like just in random ways. Like I've had God speak to me driving down Interstate 90 through Minnesota through a billboard. Or graffiti on an overpass. Why? Because I was in prayer, I was asking God to speak, and I paid attention. I operate from the assumption that God wants to speak to me. And if I live in that assumption, then my eyes are open to receive what he wants to say. And so, yes, I may read graffiti, and I may have a sense that God may be communicating to me there. It doesn't mean every graffiti I read is something God wants to say to me, but you get the point. I'm aware, I'm open, I'm discerning what the Spirit of God may be trying to communicate. So, the Holy Spirit wants to communicate with us. I broke my promise, I took 15 minutes instead of 10. But it's like riding a bike. You know, when you look at a bike, like the bike is such an unusual thing, isn't it? When you look at it initially, you would never think, there's no way I can like stay on that thing and ride that thing, right? How is that going to happen? And so we look at it, it makes no sense, but then we get on that bike and we just try and we start to practice. And then we recognize how physics work, right? The law, I guess it's the law of inertia. I don't know. Like, I'm not a physics guy, right? But we start moving and we start to realize it's much easier to try to, like, it's hard to sit on a bike when it's not moving and, like, keep balanced, right? It's almost impossible unless you're really good at that. But it's a heck of a lot easier when the object is in motion to kind of keep the object in motion, to keep it upright. It helps with the balancing, whatever. You don't know that until you get on the bike and start riding it. And the same is true with prayer and in your walk with Jesus. It may seem unattainable. It may seem like, how can I really hear from the God of the universe? We don't know, friends, until you get on the bike and start riding. You start creating space to be with Jesus, and you let him do the work. You start to form you and work in you, and you start to realize, well, now I'm not focused anymore on the fact that I couldn't ride on the bike, but I'm actually riding on the bike and experiencing the whole point why a bike exists. From either of me to get from point A to point B, or to even better, to experience the beauty of the world that God has put around me. And so such is the same with prayer. God has created prayer as a vehicle, as a way for us to have unending conversation and communication and receptive listening from God. And the more we try, the more we get on the bike, the more it becomes natural for us. The more you develop your own stories of the way God's communicating to you. And you don't have to listen to someone like me or someone else tell you about their stories. Because they become unique to your bike riding experience. All right. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving us your spirit. We ask that you would continue to keep our eyes open to see and to participate with you in this world. Keep us aware of your presence, your comfort, your conviction, your peace, your teaching. Yes, and in many ways, your rebuke that we might experience life with you. Not just everlasting life when we die, but live together with you today, experiencing hope and healing for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.